Let's open our Bibles, Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, the middle kind of of the Sermon on the Mount. We looked last week at this idea about judging, where we stand in judgment over other people. We, you know, are hypercritical. We, you know, talking about other people, making these snap judgments about who they are, what they're doing, why they're doing it. But, you know, we got to be careful about that. We, we do need, as we talked last week, to be discerning and, and, we, and to, to think critically in terms of, is this true? Is this right? Is this according to God's word or whatever? But not in a judgmental sort of way uh, over people because it, it kind of lifts us up over them. But God is the only one that is over all of us. If we need to help someone else out, he talks about the, the plank in our eye or the speck or the splinter in someone else's eye. If we, if we first take the plank out of our own eye, then maybe, then maybe we can see clearly enough, he says, to help the other person with that little splinter in their eye. But first, judge ourselves, examine our own lives, and then uh, perhaps... To help with others, not to condemn, but to restore. Today, from verses 7 on, Jesus returns to the subject of prayer. We've already looked at the subject of prayer in in what's called the Lord's Prayer, but really it was the Lord teaching us how to pray. It was giving us uh, instruction. And and we saw how the Lord's Prayer is kind of like a guideline that we can use it not to just pray it over and over like repetitiously and and get into some sort of an Our Father trance kind of thing. But, but to use it as a guide that, that we have a Father in heaven. And, you know, that to him alone be the glory. You know, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come. You know, so on and so forth through the whole prayer. But Jesus gets back to prayer here. And, and really, it's an encouragement to pray, I believe. Because he loves to hear from us. And I think that's why it keeps coming up again and again. He loves to hear from us. He wants to hear from us. Look what it says there in verse 7. Let's read the the section. He says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then... Though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask Him? That's pretty encouraging, is it not? For us to pray. He desires us to pray. Uh, You see the, the three words there, the ask, the seek, and the knock, which just happens to be coincidentally A-S-K, Right? Ask, A-S-K, helps, you to, helps me to remember what he's saying here. Ask, seek, and knock. And, and I find that in, in these three things, really, you know, there's just a, a, a huge amount of scripture and encouragement in all of them. So I'm going to kind of break them apart if you'll let me do that. Is that okay with you? I'm going to break them apart and, and we're going to look at asking first today, next time seeking, and then the third time knocking, because I think that, that the Lord wants us to understand that he wants us to come to him. And that the promises of God are so powerful and so positive. And we see it right here. This word ask, uh, I, you know, I look it up in the dictionary uh, on my computer. It says to put a question to, to seek an answer, to seek 
information to make a request. All these different kinds of things are involved in ask, in asking Him. We think about it just in terms of needs, and we saw in the Lord's Prayer, yeah, that that's a part of life, but, but we need to ask Him for all different kinds of things, not just uh, stuff, not just our daily bread, but, but for wisdom, for counsel, for guidance, for all these facets of, of our Christian life. Now, these verbs here, I am not a Greek scholar, and I hope uh, I don't ever give you the impression I could, I could do that. I could kind of say, you know, the Greek in this uh, passage, you know, uh, I've studied it deep and hard, and, and it means this, and give you, you know, try to pronounce a word that I can't really pronounce that well. I do have a, a basic understanding of, you know, the Greek language by studying and reading commentaries about guys who are much, much, much more uh, scholars on the, on the Greek language. But having said all that, let me tell you something about these Greek words here. <laughs> they are in a tense called the present um, imperative. And what that means is when the Greek is in the present imperative tense, it means that it's a continuous thing. It's a command imperative, but it's in the present tense means, means that you need to keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. It's not just ask once and you're all done. It's asking and asking asking. There's a constant sense in this word that, that it goes, it, it's, it's going repeated. It's persistent. Now, Jesus, the Son of God, is telling us that God wants us to keep on asking Him. What does that tell us? That He wants to keep having this contact with us. He wants to have a continuous communication. Now, sometimes you have people and you tell them, stop asking me about that. I was with a guy yesterday, and uh, he has a little four-year-old son, and the four-year-old son was, was wanting something, and he kept saying, uh, excuse me, daddy, excuse me, daddy, excuse me, daddy. And he'd say, you know, stop asking me, just wait a minute, I'm talking to this person. And he just kept doing it over and over, and finally he said, okay, what is it that you want? Um, I can't really remember <laughs> what it is that, uh, okay, then be quiet and let us talk, okay? And then, like, two minutes later, you start doing it again. But see, God is not like that at all. God doesn't say, you know, just wait. God has this ability to listen to each one of us and talk to more than one person at one time. You and I can't do that. We try, but we can't really do that. But he has that ability, you see. He can listen to you while he's listening to me. That is amazing. Do I understand that, uh, how that works? No, but it's true. But he wants us to continue to keep coming to him, and, and there's no such thing as pestering God. There's no such thing as bothering him. He says, keep on asking. Keep on asking, and it will be given to you. One commentator uh, says this. He says, persistent prayer does not overcome God's stubborn reluctance. It gives glory to Him and expresses dependence upon Him and aligns our heart more with His. He's not reluctant to hear from us. He's not reluctant to answer. That's what Jesus is saying here. Keep on asking and it will be given to you. He says, for everyone who asks, receives. That's very positive, is it not? There are so many scriptures about this, about asking and receiving. I want to look at a bunch of them, but... but but the, the, the point of this all is that Jesus say, is saying that God wants us to ask Him. He wants us to come to Him. Ultimately, it's all based on the fact of what kind of a father He is. 
And that's why we read these verses 9 through 11. It kind of tells us that he's a, you know, about a father, you know, a father that, you know, wouldn't, you know, give his kid a stone if he asked for bread. Now, would he? Or would he give him a snake if he asked for a fish? And Luke adds, would he give him a scorpion if he asked for an egg? Is that the kind of father that we have? Now, he's saying that no, you know, no decent father would do that. We know that. But he's saying that we, and he says that there in verse um, 11, he says, if you, though, then though, are, though you are evil, you know how to good, give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? We, in comparison to God, let's face it, we just don't stack up as fathers. And again, we, we, we're limited. We are selfish we're tired, we're busy, all these different things. And so, you know, to be there for the kid, we're, we're just not always there like we should maybe or could or, you know, we have limitations. He says that we're evil and in comparison to God, we are evil. Let's face it, we're sinners. We're all of us sinners. You know, um, you know we, have, we have regrets in our lives, I know I do, of, of not always being there for my kids, not always being there for them because I wanted to do this or I want to do that or I just didn't have it in me. But God, he says, how much more? God, but, but God is a different kind of father. He's in a whole different kind of category, is he not? How much more will your father in heaven give good gifts to those who what? What does it say? Ask. To those who ask him. God is our father. He is a good, he's a loving, he's a kind father. He's a perfect father. He's able, as I said, to minister to each and every one of us. Let's turn ahead. I have a bunch of passages and I hope you can follow along with me. If you need to use your, um, your index, please do. But let's go to the book of James first. James chapter 1. And that's closer to the end of the book. Obviously, James, Peter, John, Jude, and Revelation. So it's about four or five books from the end of the New Testament. James chapter 1. <clears throat> now, James was a man who was related to Jesus, was he not? James was half-brother to Jesus, right? Because he had the same father, Right? Same mother, I'm sorry. <laughs> Same mother. I didn't write this in my notes, so I got to do this from memory. And, you know, it's kind of warm in here. Anyways, he's a half-brother to Jesus, had the same mother. Joseph was his father. Jesus, obviously, Joseph was not Jesus' father, but Mary was his mother. Okay, now that we got that all confused, let's see what James, who spent a lot of time with Jesus, says about this. Verse 17, he says, Every good, every good and perfect gift is from where? From above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. This is our Father. He's, he's giving us good and perfect gifts. We just read it in Matthew. You know, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts? To those who ask him, he says, every good and perfect gift is from above. God only gives what is good for us. We're going to see in a minute that doesn't always necessarily mean exactly what we want, though, right? 
But he gives good gifts, and they're perfect gifts, and he knows exactly what he's doing. He doesn't play tricks with us. He doesn't mess around with our heads. He doesn't give us, well, you know, play a little trick there. Well, he asked for some bread. I'm going to give him a little stone that looks like a bread. Now, how many of you ever tried to bite into that plastic fruit or the wax fruit? You know, I did that one time, and I really thought it was real. And I go, oh, you know, it's just not the same. Someone said this, are we praying to a grudging God out of whom every gift has to be squeezed and coerced? Some people pray like that. They're they're trying to squeeze it out of God, trying to coerce Him to give them something. To a mocking God whose gifts will be double-edged or praying to a God whose heart is so kind that He is more ready to give than we are to ask more ready to give than we are to ask. That's the truth of it. That's the truth of it. He doesn't change like shifting shadows. He's always ready. He's always there. He's always wanting. To those who ask him, to those who ask him, Jesus says, ask and it will be given to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who asks, receives. Not just some people. But everyone who asks, receive. So the idea is don't be afraid to ask. I, know I used to be like this. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of still like it a little bit. But I, I used to be so afraid to ask a neighbor for anything. You know? I don't know why it was. We grew up in, um, in San Diego. And everybody goes, oh, San Diego, woo. You know, but we grew up in a, in a section called Claremont. And, uh, you know, the houses around us, were they were sort of okay, fairly decent, but our house was run down. And our yard was dirt. All the other houses had grass, and ours was like hard dirt. That's just, you know, that the Chapman house. The Chapman house is where the police cars were. I'm trying to, you know, I'm working with the police department now. You know, I'm in the Chaplain program. I'm trying to get on their good side. So if they come to my house, it's for a good reason. But, you know... I was, you know, I was, it was this thing of like not really, you know, having a kind of a good image of who we were in the neighborhood. And, and I don't know if that's why, but I just really didn't want to go borrow anything from anybody. But you know, whenever I did, you know what they said? Go home, you're one of the Chapmans? What did they say? They said, oh, yeah, here. So, you see, there was this fear. Of asking, Why do we not ask God? Why don't we ask? Why, why would Jesus have to say, keep on asking? Because there are reasons why we don't. I think the first, the first reason of why we don't ask, anybody know what it is? Pride. Pride, that's right. Pride, because we think we don't need to. We think we can make it on our own. We think I'm okay. I'll, you know, God, just let me handle this one. What? Pride. You know, who do we think we are? That's, a, that's one of them. Another one I just mentioned is fear. We're afraid that he's going to laugh at us. We're afraid that he's going to think we're stupid. Well, he already knows that. I mean, <laughs> sometimes we're just plain lazy. We just think, you know, we're just too lazy to do anything. Sometimes we don't want to bother him. Sometimes we don't want to face him because of what we're, what, what's going on in our own lives the way we're living, and and how could I go and ask God about anything? Well, maybe that's what you need to go and ask God about. 
and get right with him. But he wants us to come. Some of us, we never ask and we miss out on everything that he has. Jesus says, ask and it will be given to you for everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who asks, receives. Look at James chapter 4. James chapter 4. What causes fights in verse 1? What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You want something, but you don't get it. You kill and covet, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight. And look what he says there at the end of verse 2. You do not have because you do not ask God. You try to get it your own way. You try to fight for it. Get it somehow. Killing, coveting. He says you don't have because you don't ask God. You don't ask the right person. You're not asking. Ask and it will be given to you. For everyone who asks receives. Don't be afraid to ask. Don't be afraid to go him. You do not have because you do not ask God. Ask. Ask. Now, does this mean that he'll give us everything we want? Does this mean he'll give us whatever we want? Sometimes he says no. Sometimes he just says no. He's going to give us an answer. We will receive an answer. I guarantee you that you will receive an answer. I can say that because that's what Jesus said. Everyone who asks receives. It doesn't say that he receives everything that he wants. Look at verse 3. He says right there. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Sometimes he says no. He looks at our motives. He looks at our hearts. And in his way and in his time, he will answer that. I believe that if he gave us exactly what we wanted, we would be in a lot of trouble. If God gave us what we wanted, what we asked for, sometimes it's just not a good thing. And sometimes it's just not right. It's just, it won't work. And it's against his very nature. I was thinking about it this morning. And, you know, I was thinking, you know, if I, if I, if I just ask God to give me a third arm, would he do it? He, for everyone who asks, receives. You know, of course he wouldn't do it. It's against nature. It's against his creation. It's against his whole plan and purpose for the human race. You see what I mean? So, so God, God has got to be God. When we start to think and, and again, say God, and, I, and I've been places where it's, it is this kind of way that, listen, if I say it, if I confess it, and if I just believe it hard enough, then God will have to do it. Just the way I say. Just the way I use the words. That's ridiculous. That makes us God. That makes us in charge of him. And he says, oh, I'll get right to it. Hold on. Whatever you say, I'll do. No, 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 no. That's not the way it works. He wants us to keep asking. He wants us to keep coming to him. And I find that if we just go, if we just ask, if we just bring these things to him, no matter how silly, no matter how crazy or whatever they are, that that he will deal with our understanding. He'll deal with our motives. He'll deal with our hearts. He'll he'll work it out. 
And so often what changes is not so much what we're asking for, but we change. And he works in us and he changes us. It makes me more like the way he wants me to be. Look at um, uh, James chapter 1 again. Somehow I, I got these out of order. James chapter 1. If any of you lacks wisdom, verse 5, what should he do? He should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt, because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. He says, come and ask and trust him that he's our father, that he knows what he's doing, that he, that he will hear us. And right here we have in black and white uh, something that, that the word of God says that if we lack wisdom, we'll ask God and he will definitely give that to us. If you ask God for wisdom, God's not going to say, no, I can't give that to you. He's going to say, no, my word promises that I will give it to you and I will give you wisdom. He, that's one thing that if you ask for, you, you, you can say, you can take that to the bank, that he will answer that one and give you that one. Can't say that about the third arm, I'm afraid. Let's look at, let's look at the book of 1 John. I want to mention to you, that's uh, ahead a couple of books for, after 1 Peter and 2 Peter. James, 1 Peter, 2 Peter, 1 John. For some more clarity, but didn't, didn't Solomon, while we're thinking about this word for wisdom, God, it says in 2 Chronicles and in, in, in 1 Kings that God appeared to Solomon and, and God said these words to him. And it really kind of goes along with what we're hearing. He said this, ask for whatever you want me to give you. Ask for whatever you want me to give you. God said these words to Solomon. The Lord appeared to him. And Solomon said, give me wisdom and knowledge that I may lead this people for who is able to govern this great people of yours. And you know the rest of the story, right? God gave him wisdom and God also blessed him with all the other things that he needed. Sometimes we, we ask for those things. We, we need to understand that, you know, wisdom on what we need to do, how we should live, what we should uh, be doing in this life. And God will answer us. Look at 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3. This is an important subject, you know, because again, there's so much confusion, verse 21, about, you know, well, I pray and, and is God going to hear me? Is God going to answer me? How is it going to work out? What is it going to do? Verse 21, he says, Dear friends, and this guy now is John. Now, he's not the half-brother of anybody. He's a full brother of who? Anybody know? Another James, a different James. But James, Peter, and John were the guys who were like the, the closest of the dis disciples, of the apostles. They were like the inner three who spent time with Jesus. And so John is now here writing, and he says, Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And receive from him anything we ask because we obey his commands and do what pleases him. And this is his command, to believe in the name of his son Jesus Christ and to love one another as he commanded us. He gives us some, some clarity really about this thing, gives us a little more understanding. And when we study the word of God, we want to get the whole picture, right? Not just take one little verse out of context. In a few weeks in Matthew, we're going to look at the watch out for false prophets because, you know, 
They're around. They're around today. But so many false teachers, that's what they do. They'll take this one little verse out of context and they'll make it mean something. What they want it to mean. Not necessarily what God wanted it to mean. And so we have to take the whole of Scripture and, and kind of, you know, get the whole picture, the whole context. The immediate context and then the whole context of the Word of God and our understanding of who God is. And, and so John gives us a little bit more here. He says, when you're praying and asking about something, you know, if you're, you're asking about something and your heart is like, like not right about it, is that kind of like an indicator? Maybe God's not quite going to answer that one. He's not going to necessarily give you that because your heart is like messed up about this. You know, there's condemnation. He says, if our hearts don't condemn us, he says, we have confidence before God. Receive from him anything we ask. But look at what he says here too, because we obey his commands. And we do what pleases him. We obey his commands and we do what pleases him. You know, when we're, when we're living, uh, you know, not the way that we should be living, and, and then we just going to go and ask God for whatever we want? Well, he's saying, listen, I, I understand you might need that thing, but, but we need to kind of deal with this first. We need to kind of get, let's get to the, you know, the, the subject here first. I, you know, I, I, from time to time, and it happens in my own life as well, you know, ask, you know, ask God for stuff, but, but you know, there's certain things that we're doing that he just cannot bless. He can't bless it, you know, when we're, when we're, you know, doing illegal things, we're doing immoral things, and we say, God, bless me in this. He can't, you see, because he is who he is. He's God. He's a holy God. But look at what he says, his command. He, he gives definition right here of these commands. Number one, in verse 23, is to believe in the, in the name of his son, Jesus Christ. Number one, we've got to have a relationship with him. These promises that Jesus is giving and, and these other writers here in the New Testament are giving for us, they're not just for anybody and everybody. Because if, if they don't know God as Father, then how could they pray that prayer? How could it may, um, you know, mean anything to them? But to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ... When we believe and receive Jesus Christ into our hearts and lives, we realize that, that we're lost without a Savior, and we accept Him into our lives, we become part of the family of God, and He now is our Father. But if that hasn't happened, He's saying, listen, again, there's something we need to take care of first, and that's relationship. You need to be one of my kids if you want to call me father. And, and, you, and, and, and the only way to do that is through my son, Jesus Christ. So to loving God, and then he says, loving God through his son, Jesus Christ. And we have a banner, and, we, and i don't, I got to find the banner. It's got to be put back up over here. Loving God and loving people. Loving one another, he says. To love one another as he commanded us. To, to keep those. Love his son and love one another. How about um, 1 John chapter 5, verse 14? 1 John 5. We've got to move quickly now because I'm, I'm running out of time. 1 John chapter 5, verse 14. He says, This is the confidence that we have in approaching God, that, we, that if we ask anything according to what? His will. He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have 
what we asked of him, that he will give it, that he will answer, that he will be there. But he says, we ask according to his will. You know, I've heard this nonsense. We say, you know, you're praying for something, but don't pray, you know, without any faith. You've got to pray in faith, believing that it's God's will. And if you say, God, I just, pray, you know, I pray about this. I ask you for this, if, it, if it's your will. Like, that's a lack of faith. That's, that's nonsense. Again, we need to understand that we need to know his will. We need to surrender whatever we ask for to his will. God, I ask you for this, but, but uh, according to your will, even Jesus, who knew God's will perfectly, what did he say in the garden of Gethsemane? Not my will, but yours be done. What an example he gave to us. And, and of course, you know, he was the son of God. It's not a lack of faith, but we, when we pray, we need to say, God, what, what you will. You're the king. Your kingdom come in my life. Turn back to now John again. John had a lot to say about these things, maybe because he was so close to Jesus. He was the one, again, out of those three that was even maybe the closest, he was the one who would lean back, and they didn't sit at a table like the picture shows you. John chapter 14, but, but they reclined around a table, and so they were kind of like reclining in this circle around this table, and he would lean back, and he would actually be able to lean his head uh, uh, on Jesus. He was that close. John chapter 14, verse 13, he says, Jesus speaking here, he's quoting Jesus. He says, I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. And you may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. I will do it. See the promises here? Yeah, we need to understand the whole context, but the promises are that, that if we ask, we come and we ask in the name of Jesus. And, and a little bit of understanding about that too is when we come and we ask in His name, we're, we're also surrendering to His will too because His name the name in, in, the, in, in those days, in the Hebrew understanding, the name would include everything about the person. And their will would be included in that. So when we pray in the name of Jesus, we're also surrendering that to Jesus Christ, you see. But the positive promise here, you may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Verse uh, chapter 15, next chapter, verse 7. He says this, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. Ask whatever you wish. It will be given you. Remain in me. Abide in me. Later on, he says, ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. You think of the two uh, <clears throat> that came to Jesus, right? And they said to him, you know, God, you know, we want you to give to us whatever we ask. They said that to Jesus. Jesus, we want you to give to us whatever we ask. And he says, well, you know, what are you asking? <laughs> and he says, they said, you know, we want to be, you know, one of us on your right side and the other one on your left side when you come into your kingdom. We want those places of honor. And what did Jesus say? He says, you know, you, you really don't know what you're asking. You don't quite understand you know, those places have been, you know, they're kind of already taken. <laughs> he says, but, you know, will you be able to drink the cup that, I have, that I'm going to drink? Talking about the cross. And, 
and giving their lives. And, and they said, yes, we can. And in and, and this instance, Jesus says, yes, you will be. You will be called upon to do it. And they both gave their lives. Uh, uh, excuse me, uh, John, they were both attempted to uh, give their lives uh, for the gospel. Uh, one was murdered for his faith. Matthew says, again, I tell you, quoting Jesus, that if two of you on earth agree about anything you ask for, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. For where two or three come together in my name, there am I in the midst. Speaking there about, about uh, prayer when we come together. And, and I think it's good that we can come together and pray together about certain things, you see. When the two of us agree together, he says. And maybe that's a way for us to kind of check each other out. You know, if, if I get together with you and I say, you know, hey, will you pray with me about something? Oh, sure, what do you want to pray about? Well, I want to pray that I get that third arm that I've been needing. You're going to say, well, you know, I'm not sure if I can agree with you about that one. You know, so we kind of keep each other in check when we pray together, you see. Turn with me one more passage, uh, Ephesians chapter 3, which we will close with. Ephesians chapter 3. This is, a, this is such a powerful passage. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20. In verse 20 and 21. You need to know where this is. You need, to, you need to, to know that you can come and find this verse. Really, the, the, the whole paragraph before it is incredible, but, but, but look at, at verse 20. It says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we what? Ask or imagine, even imagine or think, according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. It's a doxology here. It's a, just an explosion of praise, really, that God is able to do much more than you ask, than I ask. According to his power that is work at work within us. Ask. Keep on asking. Spend time. Go to him. Let it be a reason to spend time with him. Ask, and it shall be given to you. For everyone who asks, receive. Let's pray together, shall we? Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, Lord, and maybe we don't understand all of it, but we, we can understand that you are a loving and a kind Father and that you want us to come and ask, no matter what it is. And, and you'll straighten us out if it's, if it's not in line with your will. You'll you will uh, help us to understand. You'll work in us according to the power that is at work in us. You will, you will, get, it, you will get it right because you, you are the only one that knows the right, the good, the perfect. And so we submit to you, Lord. I pray that each one of us would, would take that time and we would, we would simply come before you morning, noon, and night, and just ask you, God, help me with this. God, can you show me what to do here? God, can you provide this? And your word is so positive, Lord, that you will answer us. You will answer us every prayer 
every single prayer you will answer. But I, I especially pray, Lord, for this prayer of, of believing in the Son. Lord, there's maybe some people here who have never even gotten that first step. They don't know you as Father, and yet, and yet all they need to do is believe in your Son, Jesus Christ, who came, who lived the perfect sinless life, was the Lamb of God who was slain, who was crucified for our sin, who was put in the tomb, and who was risen from the dead, defeating death. All that we need to do is believe in Jesus Christ and receive him, receive eternal life, be brought into the family, adopted into the family of God, and that we can call you Father. Father, I pray for any here this morning that are in this category, Lord, that they would simply say, Jesus, I believe in you and I receive you today. Wash away my sin through the cross. I surrender to you today. Father, thank you so much that you are a loving and a kind Father and that you're here for us, each and every one of us, each and every day. And one day we'll see you face to face and what a glorious day that will be. In Jesus' name, amen.